How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, cheer for uh, kind of like it. On the right wing side, here is Defoli. Shoots, he scores! Battling through it, finally. No sense bitching, right? This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All right, we asked for wins, and finally, we got them. So excited that the Kings have won two games, and they've also scored in those games more than one goal. Hooray. Things are really looking up for the Kings right now, and I am very pleased about it. Yeah, me too. Um, Okay, so the two games that they won, they played the Minnesota Wilds, and the Colorado Avalanche. They won both of those games 2-1. The Wild one was in overtime. And that one, I was a little... That was the first game they won. And I was a little nervous because they were playing really well, getting a lot of shots, but not getting any goals. And I feel like all... You could just see on Twitter and stuff, people being like, oh no, they're <laughs> going to find a way to give this away. <laughs> but they didn't. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that was promising. And, and we're saying, like, they scored more than one goal. They scored two. Like, this isn't like, oh, suddenly all of those goals that were, like, you know, you know, building up inside of them just, like, came to fruition in these games. No, they just scored, like, one extra goal. It was enough, which is great. It gave them a win. But nothing to, like, write home about. Small steps. Small steps. That's true. Um, yeah, so, and it was funny because you could tell that the team was pretty excited. I mean, they haven't seemed like they were melting down like they said all the right stuff in interviews and stuff in post games but they kind of did like that stanley cup-esque smash each other against the wall kind of thing after andre kopitar scored in overtime in that wild game you could tell that they were all super relieved every goal is the game winning goal of game seven in overtime (laughs) everyone like just scored the alec martinez goal for like every goal because they've been scoring so few. So everything is a cause for celebration. Confetti for everyone. I have to say my favorite overtime goals for the Kings are when Kopitar scores them because he always tends to be really excited about them in ways I don't, like stuff that happens mid-game where he still has to focus. Because I was thinking about the game last season, or the season before, where he scored an overtime against the Sharks and he like throws his hands up in the air and kind of like, flips them. I don't know. It just seems really coy and sassy <laughs> in a way that I find super adorable. And he sort of did the same thing again here. Like first he hugged Tanner Pearson um, with one arm, but then he kind of threw his hand up in the air like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, very I'm cute. great. Yeah, a little dainty hand wave. <laughs> um, my favorite is usually Dustin Brown's overtime goals because they don't happen often. Like I'm thinking of the one against the Rangers. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, but when he does, like, we've talked about this f- before. When Dustin Brown scores a goal in, like, regulation, he's very serious. He's like, yeah, I should have done that. Like, that's normal. Nothing to celebrate. Celebrate. Um, like, this was just me getting the job done. But when it comes to, like, an overtime goal, like, that's it. Like, you've won the game. So he's totally cool with just like throwing his hands up in the air and like being excited not quite like my favorite gif of him which is him spinning in a counterclockwise circle um (laughs) celebrating (laughs) but somewhere on par with that it's still pretty pretty close to me liking that that goal is still so amazing yeah he'll celebrate other people's goals but his own it's it's rare 
But you see him, like, really get excited. Yeah. So that's why I like the overtime goals, because he's like, all right, I don't have to be serious. I don't have to think about the rest of the game and, like, make sure that we keep our lead or give it away or whatever. He just can be, like, truly happy about the goal he scored. So I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, Dustin Brown. Right. And I don't, I, like, and that's the thing is I don't want to see them go to overtime constantly, even though, like, the three on three, I'm down for it. I'm glad that they made that a thing in the league this season. But I don't need that stress every game necessarily. But when the Kings do score in overtime, we get really special celebrations because they can just be like, okay, we won, it's over, rather than, all right, that's one, back to the bench, we got to do some more shifts right now. Uh, so, it's, so it's a treat when they happen, and we got one. I also saw, again, the first official three on three, which is fun. Yeah, that was actually really cool to see, and... I had seen it in other games, but obviously things are a little bit more heightened when it's involving a team that I'm really invested in. So uh, seeing the Kings go through, I was like, yeah, I I like this. This is cool. Although it's like in person 10 times, it'll be a bajillion times more Mm -hmm. stressful. (laughs) There's just so much space. And I think it was um, Carter in one of the post games or probably after the wild game where he was like, yeah you know, three on three is intense. And he was like, and if you, if you lose your guy or your, you know, the person you're supposed to be focused on, you know, you're screwed pretty much is what he said. So uh, it seems exciting for them. And uh, it's, I think it's exciting for fans. Yeah. I think it's really cool because uh, things can change on like the, the drop of a dime basically. And that just makes it way, it's, it's a lot of fun, but it's so anxiety inducing that I am conflicted. Obviously, I love it, but also yeah. I hate it. Right, yeah, because it's a tense situation. It's sudden death, kind of, like, all of that adds to the emotion of it. But at the same time, I also feel like for a team like the Kings, it's so focused on structure and executing that structure to find success. Three-on-three three allows them more space and requires them to be a little bit more creative because they can't necessarily fall on the same kind of structure. Um, there's just not enough people to make that happen. So in a way, it makes it really, I think, particularly special for this team. But um, yeah, like you said, it's a stressful time. It's it's cool to see uh, Kopitar score because like he doesn't have to worry so much about like being defensive. I mean, obviously he does. It's it's heightened like three on three, but he can be a little bit more creative. You know, he doesn't have to worry too much about um, making sure he's on every other player that's mm-hmm. on the ice. Um, as long as he kind of knows what he's doing, knows where his man is, he can just sort of pull out something fun and and score. Because we, I mean, we know that he can score creative goals, and he does. But I feel like he doesn't do them often enough. Um, like what I assume he can right. do just because of the way that the Kings play because they're so structured and like and he's always trying to be like a good defensive forward and all of that so it's kind of fun like here's your time to shine like do something cool or what have you you know he's a guy who's always looking for the pass that'll maybe lead to the score when there's less people on the ice there are just less people for him to pass to so if it's like Kopitar you're in the slot take the <laughs> shot uh he's gonna do it and luckily this time it paid off and it was it was really great to see happen I was excited yeah that was cool so very much looking forward to uh the creativity of goals or to see what they what other players can do um to try to get that over time The crazy thing I noticed the other day, so, okay, we'll talk about the possession, because they've had a couple of disaster games. Their first game against the Sharks, they were a mess, and then the game against the Canucks, I think it was. They didn't play very well, 
But still, when they had only four, they've played five games now, but even when they had only four games, they still had at even strength the best um, Fenwick four percentage, which is crazy. Like, it's crazy that they were like extremes. It was like they either played really well or they played really badly. Um, and they played so well in the games that they did a good job in that they were at the top of the league in possession, despite at the time half of their games being tire fires in terms of. Uh, uh, controlling the puck. Um, but now through five games, um, I think this is actually at all strengths. Their course of four percentage is 59.78, so almost 60%, and the Fenwick four is almost 59%. That is amazing. That's like, I think, a, a, a pretty much a complete point uh, percentage point above the next team. So the Kings starting to click in the ways that they should be. Um, and now they've done it a few games in the row, a couple games in the row. So a little more consistent too, which is exciting. Yeah. Uh, I'd like for them to obviously stray away from the highs and the lows. Yeah. Um, and just find a nice middle to cruise at, uh, maybe slightly above average. I'm cool with that too. <laughs> um, but it's kind of crazy also looking at their PDO being like, Oh, so this yeah. is also happening and that it is garbage. I mean, not to say that the Kings aren't, you know, doing great as well sometimes, like, especially in those first few games. But, uh, yeah, their PDO certainly didn't help. Right. Well, because that's the thing is, like, PDO, of course, is the save percentage and the shooting percentage. And like we've talked about, they've only scored one or two goals in games where they've scored because they were shut out once. So they're second to last in the league with PDO. It's it's 931 or .931 right now. Second to last in the league. The only team that has a lower PDO than the Kings is are the Columbus Blue Jackets, who, by the way, have not won a game. They are 0-7 so far. Oh, that is... Oh, that's wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Just a side note there. Um, I don't know. Maybe the Kings want to just call and see if Brandon Sod's available. (laughs) 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 Keep an eye on that towards (laughs) midseason. As we near towards the trade deadline, or not the trade, free agent frenzy or whatever. Yeah, trade deadline. You were uh, right the first see. time. <laughs> trade deadline. That's what I'm thinking of. We'll see if the Columbus Blue Jackets get better. Otherwise, we won't steal one of their players. I mean, they still, like like we mentioned in an earlier podcast, um, last season when Carolina didn't win at all in the month of October, like there's still some hope for the Blue Jackets, but they are struggling right now. I think they just got shut out in their last game. So at least the Kings, despite having a low PDO, have at least won a couple. <laughs> so it could be worse, but it could also be much better. And I think because there's such a discrepancy between shooting percentage and save percentage and like possession numbers, eventually those things will start to even out. So maybe we'll see some more goals. Also, if Jonathan Quick plays well for another game, he might actually break 900. <laughs> so imagine that. <laughs> We can all hope. It's also kind of funny because last season in October, the Kings scored a bunch. That 70s line was great. Um, And that was just like a very exciting start. And then like me, like us having a long summer and then being like, yeah, hockey, let's do this. And it kind of like just sputtering out to a start was kind of like, oh, damn. Yeah. And I mean, they, they lost their first two games last season against the same teams. Uh, they lost the home of against the Sharks, yeah. and they lost on the road to the Coyotes. But, like you said, then they came back and they had that, like, six-game win streak at home or something. And so, yeah, this yeah. is just, like, a deceptive bummer for everybody. But but it seems like maybe it's turning around. Uh, we also – oh, we got a couple firsts, other firsts, besides just the win. Derek Forbert – 
can proudly say that since he started playing on the LA Kings roster, they have done nothing but won games. <laughs> he is apparently the missing link. <laughs> yeah, he was the piece they needed all along. He had his first game against the Wild. He has, through two games, ha- played a total of 21 minutes, a little little above that. His even strength, 5v5, Corsi 4%, 75%. He's been on for 27 attempts for, shot attempts for, and 9 against. Not bad. He's He's been super sheltered, like, let's not lie. He's right. gotten mostly offensive zone starts, but he hasn't ruined those. So good job. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He could have been given like the easiest of like of, of a lob and still just like completely missed right, yeah. missed the mark completely. But uh, yeah, he's done pretty well. So I guess he's a real NHL player now. Yeah, congratulations to him. So it's only been two games, but um, he hasn't embarrassed himself so far, and that's really all you can ask for with a rookie if you are Daryl Sutter, which is basically he was just like you know just don't stick out. <laughs> is that like a card that someone gets him just like i played my first two nhl games or my first nhl game and i didn't embarrass myself like congratulations yeah. <laughs> bake you a cake for that yeah a couple other firsts including milan lucic gets his first point as an la king uh, the change there is that he got it on a line with Toffoli and Carter. He assisted Toffoli's goal against the Minnesota Wilds. Um, it was a great, like, the pass was amazing, but it was a little high. And so, like, the other impressive thing was, was him getting that pass across without somebody, like, picking it off in the middle. But also, Tyler Toffoli had to kind of knock that down in the air and then score. It was a great goal. <laughs> so, yeah, finally he's uh, earning his keep, uh, his very expensive keep as an L.A. King. Um, yeah, I mean, it's good. I- I'm still concerned that he was supposed to be, like, the missing piece for the Gabrick-Kopitar line. Like, everyone thought that it was like, oh, that's an easy fit. This is obviously the thing that's going to, you know, make everything click. But it's one of those things where, not that I dismiss it, but sometimes it's like, okay, intangibles or what have you. Um, I get that it's a thing, but some because they're like intangibles, I'm just like, okay, well, how much does it really matter? But obviously, sometimes it really matters when things look great on paper, but you get them out there and it just doesn't work out. Um, for like, it's not not inexplicable, but kind of like everything should fit together, but something just doesn't um, like mesh well with them. Sutter had a a great quote um, about that where he says, I was told he fits with Kobitar and Gabrick. So that's what everybody that knew everything about hockey in North America told me. Um, So I don't know where he fits uh, if he doesn't fit on that top line. And I think, I think um, everybody, I don't know. We had some conversations with some friends during the preseason where it was like, we're not sure if this is going to work out. I think everybody kind of got a feeling that it wasn't meshing, at least not as immediately as, people sort of thought it should have because like you said it looks so good on paper uh but I also feel like two regular season games isn't really enough to figure out whether he fits with Kopitar in particular or not another thing that has been mentioned is that even though Marion Gabrick is technically naturally um, a right wing he's played with in the King system on the left wing pretty much the entire time and so it seemed like he was struggling a little bit with that adjustment and Daryl Sutter wanted to move him back to the left and so he didn't want to then move Lucic to the right so he moved him down a line 
And then Lucic in an interview recently said that he thinks he hesitated a little bit being on that top line, which I find amusing because it makes me think that he just like was on a line with Andre Kopitar and got a little starstruck. <laughs> just just a little intimidated by his greatness yeah. and was like, whoa, I didn't, I wasn't ready. For, I thought I was ready. I was not ready for this. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is not ready for Andre Kopitar, which I mean, not to... That's a bring it to Mike Richards and make things a little sad, but that we've talked about how that's one of the things that we really liked the most about him, or what that we found the most entertaining was the way he came to LA and then was like, "By the way, have you heard about that Jake Kopitar?" Those, <laughs> um, those like deep breaths that he took before he started talking about Kopitar, being like, "All right, Mike, hold yourself together. <laughs> yeah. Don't be stupid. Don't embarrass yourself." And then talked about how great Kopitar was is like a like a teammate as a person you know as a player and we were like all right we we got you mike richards we're on the same page i feel you we got the same emotions so that's kind (laughs) of like in my head it's just like a mini version of that where he was like i was i thought i was ready i wasn't ready he's way better than i thought (laughs) but then also he's played like he's played with patrice bergeron yeah for sure you know like you should be ready for this Um, one thing he did say, though, was he thinks that his style is a little bit different from Kopitar's. Um, when Kopitar, like, he's really smart when he plays on the ice. He's very strategic about the way he moves up the ice a lot of times. He doesn't mind kind of making quick pass through other players and stuff like that and kind of going in and out of guys. Um, and Lucic thinks he kind of plays a more north-south game, kind of just what he really excels in is, like, once you got the puck, kind of push him forward. Um going really hard to the net and he thinks that meshes a little better with Defoli and Carter who like we've talked about are decent like can be decent defensive players when they focus on it but their real strength is you know playing defense by always being on the attack so it's like get the puck out of your zone get to the offensive zone as quickly as possible generate a shot on net um and he just thinks that he gels a little better with them and also kind of it it being moved kind of got rid of some of those nerves i think of being like oh crap i have this pressure of being on the top line and gelling with these guys yeah like that's true because that's a lot of pressure everyone because everyone was like oh he's the missing piece like this is what's gonna ramp up the king's like scoring problems or whatever it is that's a lot of pressure and like a lot of yeah spotlight to put on a person i know it's not like the east coast or it's not canada in terms of like scrutiny but it's still you know, eyes are on you to be making some sort of impact immediately. Um, It's not quite Sidney Crosby having, like, six articles written about him not scoring a point or scoring a goal or getting a point, but still there's, like, people looking at him being like, why aren't you doing more? Mm -hmm. I think particularly L.A. fans, actually, which generally, I mean, hasn't usually been the case. I feel like the L.A. market has actually been pretty lax about letting guys get settled in and stuff um and even if they don't last or they end up getting traded in the last few years because there's been so much winning people have been fairly chill um obviously people who look at analytics and stuff have been more critical of it but the fan base overall i think is willing to just let stuff ride but people because of the because of what they gave up to get Lucic and because of the year they had previously. And it's like, look, they missed by two points. They need to win as many games as possible. Um, there's there's like that added scrutiny of like, you were supposed to be the thing that worked <laughs> and make sure we didn't lose those points to easy teams like the Coyotes. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, I feel like everyone expects him to be like this great game changer and not to say that he's not going to have, you know, a positive impact on the Kings at all, but um, 
people expect like there's a lot of weight on his shoulders to do a lot of things that he didn't necessarily need to or should you know be worried about doing obviously i'm sure he's not he's not worried about me personally being like you should score more goals but (laughs) the like pressure of everyone being like all right like show us if you're worth it essentially what i will say though that i like about lucci so far is that anytime someone wants to talk to him about his play or the team's play or whatever he's really forthcoming which is i mean which is what something something that was mentioned when he came to this market like people really think he is a you know that was i don't know i think that's part of why they respected him in boston when like boston as a market is kind of known for if they don't like a player they kind of find ways to smear them when they leave but they didn't do that with lucic and i think part of that is because a he was really thankful to that market when he left um but also because he was somebody who even though he's kind of hot-headed on the ice or whatever we'll talk if you want to interview him he'll generally have something to say to you so um i do appreciate that he he will honestly talk about like oh i think this is why maybe that didn't work out on top line this is why it's maybe working out better so far on this line i like that he um is not afraid to say stuff especially with the kings who are notoriously tight-lipped about that thing um they kind of always um you know dole out the same scripted lines and there's not really anyone that's kind of a loose cannon in terms of what kind of quotes you're going to get for them or from them I, I guess uh i appreciate Lucic's Lucic's candor in being like ah this was shitty i was shitty like this didn't work well blah 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 um it bodes well for I mean, because sometimes we'll watch a game and it'll be bad, you know, like we're seeing everything that's not good, whether it be like turnovers or zero shots or whatever it is. And it's kind of just like stock answers that are given by the players after the game. And I get that, you know, you can't wear your heart on a sleeve during things like this, but... I, I, I like at least the acknowledgement being like, you know, this was one thing that was pretty bad. We're going to work on it. We know that it was bad. Instead of like, oh, yeah, we just really need to, you know, up our game. I wasn't firing on all cylinders or whatever platitudes that tend to come out. Uh, just like actual, like, real talk with Milan Lucic, apparently, at the, uh, like, in the locker rooms or something like that is is a breath of fresh air okay so i have a question i like i also feel like the players take cues from the coach as well and um i feel and maybe i'm crazy so i'm like would have you listened to what he said at all and what do you think i feel like daryl sutter has been more forthcoming to start this season um not necessarily overtly so but you know he's been way less seemingly dismissive of questions that people have about, like, the start that the Kings had or whatever. Or at least that's the way it feels to me. Oh, I, I totally know. agree. Like, even when we were talking about just him saying, like, that's what everyone who knew everything about hockey ever in North America told me, I was like, <laughs> that was unexpected because usually <laughs> yeah. I was like, one, good job on passing the buck to, you know, everyone. <laughs> like, that was well played. Just, like, disseminate that blame there. <laughs> Look what um, you made me do. <laughs> but, uh, like, him just, like, throwing him, his hands up, like, exasper- like exasperated, just like, really? Yeah. <laughs> Y'all steered me wrong just now. Um, but, yeah, I, don't, I feel like he wouldn't have said that in the past. Like, maybe it was because of a poor season and then kind of a poor start that he feels that he can let loose. I don't know. But I, I feel like he's definitely been a little bit more forthcoming in his 
sound bites and maybe the players do take after that being like well if he's gonna say that if he's gonna say we're terrible we'll say we'll ter- we're terrible and this is why or right, we'll be yeah we'll be more honest about what's going on yeah I, I find it really really fascinating so far and I mean I guess one example one of the things that stuck out to me was someone asked him I, uh, maybe at a practice or something like basically are you thinking about the fact that you guys have lost points and you know, how this stuff adds up, even though it's only the first few games. And he was like, yeah, um, because of the fact that, you know, or they asked him, like, you know, because the player, the Kings had missed the playoffs by, like, two points. So he was like, yes, we pay attention to that. You can't miss those points. And I don't know, it was just, like, straight up honest. Like, yes, I'm paying attention to that. That matters to us. I think it matters to the players kind of thing, rather than just I feel like he could have given a flippant answer of, like, it's the beginning of the season, you know, it's two points, we'll get the next two points. That kind of stuff he said in the past. But yeah, but maybe you're right, because of the way last season ended and because of the fact that this, the start was so, the scores were a little starker, you know, 5-2, 4-1. It was like, I can't really make up a reason to protect them. They haven't even established anything yet for this season. Um, it's, it's really cool. I mean, cool in a way because I like when they give thoughtful answers, but um, also kind of surprising. Yeah, I mean, they're always very concerned, or I guess not caught up, but they talk about it a lot, the whole, like, locker room culture, the team culture, all of that, and a lot of that stems from being, like, very tight-knit, and therefore tight-lipped about anything that's going on. I think also with everything that the Kings have been through off the ice as well has just been like, well... We're just, like, they're just, like, starting fresh. We'll see what works now. Um, not to say that they've, like, abandoned any sort of loyalty. Like, I'm not being dramatic like that at all. Just, obviously, what they had before didn't necessarily work. Or, you know, didn't yeah. work as well as they thought. Um, didn't give them the results that they thought that they would get from that sort of, like, environment. So, you know, if you shake things up a little, who cares, I guess. Because before, it was like, oh, we've won two Stanley Cups in three years. That's fine. Um, we'll keep things going the way they are. But, you know, now maybe shake things up a little. They're like, well, what, like, how much can it hurt, I guess? Yeah. I would be very curious to know if those were active conversations between anybody in that organization or if that's still just like, I don't know, something something implicit rather than something explicitly said um I'm, I'm i'm just fascinated by it and i have questions for it and i would just love to know more about that kind of thing i wonder if we'll ever hear maybe not <laughs> but it's something i'm thinking about i kind of wish i could ask somebody and be like yo what's up why the change here was it on purpose what's up? <laughs> it seems very different uh, we'll probably <laughs> never find out but we are nosy as hell so everyone just knows that we <laughs> really want to know yeah <laughs> we are yeah. very curious it would be nice if that like happened in their like black and white i mean it won't <laughs> but it would be nice if they did give some kind of like look at how I don't know, coaches and management prepared for the season. They won't do that. It's not really what that series is about, but it would be cool. Uh, Have you watched the two episodes that they've had so far? I've actually only watched the first one. Okay. You should watch the second one. It's about the equipment managers and stuff, which is, um, I mean, like we've seen equipment manager stuff, but it reminded me that the Kings have Dana Bryson. Oh, I was was just about to say, once you said equipment manager, I was like, is Dana Bryson there? Because I <laughs> yeah. adore him as much as one can adore yeah. an assistant qu- equipment manager. Um, <laughs> I don't know if there's a lot of 
like if there's a fandom for them or anything like that. But I'm like, I right. dig <laughs> Dana Bryson. I want to be his best pal. He's so funny. So I don't. Yeah, his just whole personality is so great, and I think he should basically like find every excuse to have Dana do stuff. Because exciting times for me. Um, so watch it. Worth it for that. Also, I think it shows a lot of them, um, not really in-depth conversations with the players or anything, but like little interactions. And you can tell that they have a really friendly, like light-hearted rapport between the equipment managers and the players. A lot of laughing. It's very nice. See, I love behind-the-scenes stuff. It's great. I'm glad we're seeing more of it. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to see what more. I, mean, I don't think they've like posted a rollout schedule for when new episodes come. But um, I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, me too. Okay. We talked a lot about Mike Richards last time, so I feel like it's appropriate to put a little button on it um, in that Elliot Friedman reported the breakdown of the settlement. So now that we have more numbers, the total payout he reported is $10 million, $10.5 million. The original buyout was for 14.7. The biggest cap hit under this new structure is actually this season. So... Richard's cap hit on the Kings is $3.12 million, and then for the next four years, it'll be $1.57 million, and then less than a million after that through the end, um, which is the 2031-32 season. So, like had been suggested, way more manageable for the Kings, which I selfishly really like. Selfishly. <laughs> Oh no, absolutely. It's like it's it's one of those things where you know hockey is hockey and money is kind of what matters to the health of a team, the success of a team because you need to have good players, you need to be able to pay them. But it's kind of crazy seeing someone's problems or like the like all of the contributions that Mike Richards has made, all of the like problems that he's been having, his whatever is going on with him, broken down into just straight numbers. Like, right. oh, your issues are going to cost us like X amount of dollars per year. But when you think about the whole, like everything that he has to go through, everything that everyone else has had to go through, including, you know, our favorite dramatic uncle, Dee Lombardi, it's, it's kind of... It's just strange to see all of that, sort of, like, all of his personal issues just kind of boiled down to, like, all right, well, your, like, addiction or what have you is worth about a million dollars a year to us. And I get it. Obviously, this is what matters to, you know, the NHL, the Kings, and and, and it sh- I, that's totally reasonable. But, you know, every once in a while you kind of think about it and it's like, that's that's strange. Yeah. I, and that's why I say, like, selfishly I like it and not even necessarily, like, like, I, I obviously if it was me, I'd be like, give Mike Richards his entire 14, almost 15 million dollars. I mean, if I had that money to give to somebody. So for me, the the real selfish part of it is more of that. Even though there's that long term, the cap hit is really small because what I started thinking was... Dean Lombardi is probably not going to be the GM of this team forever. (laughs) Who knows if he will be around by friggin' 2031. And so as poorly as he's handled the different off-ice problems and incidents and all of that with the Kings this past year, I don't want the next era of this team to still be paying for that guy's mistakes um, oh absolutely absolutely I'm, I'm like kind of getting at 
I'm very happy with how this all turned out. Like, I'm very happy because that means that we can sign other players. We can, you know, sign extensions, more money for Anjay Kopitar. Like, 100%. I'm, like, super pleased that this is happening. Um, and that's not yeah. going to really detract from, like, me, like, searching for players that we can steal and put on the Kings. But yeah. every once in a while, you're like, I wonder how Mike Richards is doing. And, like, knowing right. that. I'm glad that he's taken care of through 2031. Like, I wish I could have about a million dollars a year until 2031. For sure. I'm glad that he has some money instead of the no money that the original termination <laughs> was right. going to give him. Still happy about that. But otherwise, it's it's strange. And also, speaking of him, like... There was an article in Bleacher Report sort of talking about all of this because, of course, even though there was that, like, non-precedent language put into the official documentation about the settlement, people were like, they're going to try to use this. As a, how do you not set a precedent? So, which is true. Like, if you, people are going to try stuff in court all the time. Um, whether or not it'll work, different story, but we'll see when we get there. So there was a piece about in Bleacher Report about the, you know, some, um, anonymous comments from different agents and one veteran NHL player who was like, that could be me next. Um, there are concerns. But there was one teeny tiny quick mention about the whereabouts of Mike Richards, which we have not really heard at all in this. I'll read the little paragraph. It says, Richards has, Richards has not commented publicly since his arrest and his agent, Pat Morris, declined to comment when reached by Bleach Report. A source who lives in Richard's hometown of Kenora, Ontario, said Richard's is spending most of his time at his house on Lake of the Woods. So that's all we know about Mike Richards is that it is basically extended summer where he spends all of his time at his little house and little, it's big, his big house and is lonely, probably. <laughs> well, the, th the thing is, he like has always really liked being at his lake house. He's like always yeah. super amped to be going there and like spending his life fishing, which is cool. I'm glad. And probably he's probably having an all right time, you know, hanging at the lake. But also, I love that that's the only thing we really know. It feels like the end of a movie where like super dramatic things are happening, and then it like fades to black, and you get the text update of like everything that's like happened with that character since like oh, i no. <laughs> you know like I, I watched black mass like a while ago whatever but at the end it's like oh he was you know he then lived in california for you know x amount of years and was only arrested this is what happened to this guy i'm like this seems like the end of a movie like that right, this is right. like the only blurb that you have about him like he now lives in his lake house um on lake of the woods and like that's all you know and you're like wait but all this shit just happened What's, yeah. you're just telling me what he's living in a lake house? <laughs> what else is going on? Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Now I'm just thinking of, like, the inner titles. Mike Richards yeah. standing on his dock. He now spends all of his time in Kenora, Ontario. It is, like, on the Lake of the Woods. And <laughs> he hopes to get back into the NHL soon. Exactly. <laughs> it's, like, one of those things. Like, what's happening? Like, and just, like... Oh, you know when it's a super dramatic one and they list all of the bullet points of, like, what happened immediately after whatever that, like, dramatic last scene was, what he's doing in the future, and then the long pause, and then that one yeah. last sentence being, like, he hopes to come back to the NHL someday. <laughs> You're like, oh, no, really? And that's what it is. Oh, no. Oh, I'm glad that we are super Hollywood right now and basically <laughs> writing the end of the movie about Mike Richards' tragedy. <laughs> um, Anyone wants to make is. a Mike Richards biopic, we're <laughs> yeah. on it. 
but that is what we know right now at this moment. And then there was that little bit from uh, his his agent had said to was it Richard Westhead um, who that he wanted to come back into the NHL. But of course, he still has to actually deal with the possession charges. So probably we con- won't will continue to not hear very much about Mike Richards until that's settled, and then possibly he will join a team. Um, because apparently rumors are that there are teams interested, which makes sense. I mean, like the Rangers took on Ryan Malone for a while, let him have another chance. And I mean, Jared Stoll's thing was, there was never any suggestion that Jared Stoll has a drug problem in his arrest. But regardless, it could have been something that deterred people from signing him, but now he's playing with the Rangers. So there's hope for Mike Richards, at least if he wants to come back to the NHL. And it's up to other people to debate whether they think he should that would be so weird where would he go yeah I, I have no idea it's really hard trying to picture him on another NHL team I'm like it, cycling it's through the, all of the jerseys right now to be like what if he's wearing that one what about that well, one weren't the like two teams that Lombardi was reportedly you know trying to trade with were the Oilers and the Flames right and I can't really imagine him on either of those teams. Him just <laughs> trying to make sure, like, him nurturing and mentoring Connor McDavid. Uh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> him, and, him, and, him and Johnny Hockey. Uh, it would be really weird if he That saw... would actually be really funny. I, I mean, would love I it would, if he was on the Flames. I would be super entertained if he was on either of those teams. But it would also be really weird because that would mean the Kings played against him, like, four or five times a year and I don't know if I'm ready for that (laughs) Um, so part of me is like would be on a team that doesn't have to face the kings as much yeah that's true put him back on put him back on the east coast but I think it'd be really fun to see him on the flames yeah no totally it would it would be pretty fun I yeah (laughs) I'm like honestly imagining it right now all right I'm, I'm gonna step out of this little daydream right now uh yeah all right so i think that is pretty much it i feel like we should end on a more positive note but i can't think of anything we haven't touched on yet so how have the ontario rain been doing that's what i was trying i'm trying to like very quickly look that up ontario rain have won all of their games so far which is really good because remember that team are technically defending champions even though they have a different team name now that's true. so Good that they've gotten off to a really good start, and hopefully they can continue that because we are going to try to go see them soon, and I would like to see a win from the Ontario Reign. Yeah, don't make us go to Ontario and then watch them <laughs> lose. That's rude. <laughs> so they're exciting. Really stoked about that. Um, the Kings play the Sharks again next. It's an away game, and then I think they come back to Los Angeles and play the Hurricanes. Yep. And then off to Edmonton, I believe. And get to experience Connor McDavid, who had a really good, what people are finally calling his breakout night against the Flames. He scored three goals, I believe. No, he didn't score three goals. He had three points. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Three points. He scored two goals. And I actually watched that game, so I don't know why I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> he did really well. Uh, it was quite fun. Things coming up for the Kings. Hopefully they keep winning. I am liking the fact that they are starting to score more than one goal. Maybe we can add on it and make it three. Uh, what do you want to see from the Kings this week? One Name one thing that you want to see. Five goals. Ooh. 
That's nice. I like that. I would like to see a goal from a defenseman. Oh, that Let's would be fun. I, I, I'm saying this like it's like super novel. Like, oh, a goal <laughs> from a defenseman? Oh, Imagine. isn't that? <laughs> but I want to say that's kind of how I feel. We haven't really seen stuff like that yet. So a five goal game, goal from a defenseman, possibly in the five goal game. That's what we're hoping for. <laughs> but we record again in just a few days since we recorded kind of late this week. All right. Ending spiel. Thanks, bud, on Twitter, THXBUD. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash thanksbud. Um, I couldn't talk about it before now. Or I think I mostly just forgot last week. But the first week I couldn't talk about it, now I can because it's official again that we're doing the Ticket Monster thing. So if you happen to be going to a Kings game and you generally kind of buy resale or do sometimes maybe check out our page and buy through Ticket Monster, I mean, let's be real. It helps us. If you do that, um, consider it. And... I think that's pretty much all. Oh, chirp at thanksbud.com if you want to email us. We love emails. We occasionally get some from people and they're really thoughtful and we try to answer them um, in a timely fashion. (laughs) We're not um, always great at that, although we do immediately (laughs) uh, text each other being like, did you read that email? Oh, it's so nice. (laughs) Or whatever it is. Just know that we're fawning over whatever response uh, you've given us like greatly before we respond. So. And then we will respond to you. Um, it's we we like when people uh, reach out to us and have cool things they want to talk about or just talk about how the Kings are playing and stuff. We have thoughts and you have thoughts. It's great when we share them together. Um, I think that's pretty much it for everybody or for everything from us. Do you have any last words, Diane? Nope. Just I, I like this winning train. I would like to stay on it. Yes. Yes. Me too. Actually. So more wins. Oh, quick shout out. I want to give to Carlin. I know she listens to this podcast at least sometimes, but she produced, right? Okay, so there's a 30-second spot on Fox Sports West, a We Are All Kings spot. She produced it, and she also, if you have seen the splits, We Are All Kings um, clips, the 15-second that went up online a couple days ago, a couple nights ago, or maybe yesterday, very recently, she produced that. So that's awesome. It's really fun. That made me laugh kind of a lot and wanted to, I really wanted to try to do splits and, like, roller skates. I would fail completely <laughs> yeah but i would be a disaster i was like maybe <laughs> no i can't do it yeah <laughs> i just i mean that whole visual is great because it's so perfect to that area but also just like the stereotypical like idea of los angeles yeah. people of, of southern california it's just like people in skates in october <laughs> in the sunshine <laughs> trying to do splits, i'm pretty I sure i own that dude's exact pair of shorts <laughs> Yeah, so I loved it, and it's really cool that she's getting the opportunity to produce stuff, so I just wanted to give her a shout-out, because she's always really kind to us. Shout-out to Um, her hair, which still looks amazing, and it makes me want to chop off my hair. I love her haircut. Yeah, I love her haircut. Um, Yeah, so that's all from us. Um, Take care of yourselves, friends, as usual, and we will talk to you next week. Be good to each other. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.